0: With your Amex card entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select campus events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. Elevate your summer with OSEA's best-selling body care set. It's everything you need for radiant summer skin on the go. Featuring travel sizes of OSEA's clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral skincare, like their best-selling Andaria algae body oil. Right now, you can get the best seller's body care set, a $78 value, 33% off, and use code SUMMER to save an additional 10%. That's an additional 10% off at oceamalibu.com code SUMMER.
1: I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novela, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast.
0: Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at, at first, first listen. listen.
4: The Bucks stop here just for a visit. They're just passing through. That's it. Welcome in the beginning of another week of the Ben Maller Show. We are together in the air everywhere as we have a lump in the throat here, coast to coast, border to border, and beyond on the vast and powerful microphones of FSR emanating live from the flight deck as we soar on the red-eye all night long. The Fox Sports Radio studios here in the Northwoods and our lead this hour coming from Foxboro with the rain falling, the most hyped regular season game in many, many years, possibly of all time, depending on how you judge these kind of things. And did it live up to the hype? It was a close game. It was a close game. The Bucks paying their only visit to New England. Likely the only time in the Tom Brady era that this matchup happens in Foxborough. And that was the subplot. The game itself was a subplot. It was all about the apple pie for your soul. Tom Brady versus Bill Belichick. The main event. The game on the undercard. And uh, if you didn't watch, maybe, maybe you missed it. Maybe you had something else going on. Uh, all the hype. All the drama, the buildup, the, the commotion, and then it came down to an idiot kicker for the Patriots. Doink! Uh, yeah, Nick Folk, the reliable Nick Folk, had a chance to play the hero there, at least set up the Patriots' defense to try to stop Tom Brady one last time in the final seconds there. A 56-yard field goal. Doink! Off the left upright, and just like that, with less than a minute to play, turn out the lights. The party's over. So Tom Brady gets credit for the drive. The Bucks had they set up the game-winning. Uh, he set up the game-winning 48-yard field goal by Ryan Suckup in the fourth quarter. The subplot, in addition to Brady versus Belichick, what about the fans? What about the fans? Now Tom Brady was cheered. They were going gaga when he took the field for the pregame warm-ups there, the Patriot fans, on Sunday night. But the uh, fans, they, they, they gave him the, the standing ovation uh, when he came out and all the championships and all that in the past. But the music stopped. Things changed. There was a different tune when Tom Brady ran out with the Buccaneers on offense for the first time. And boo! Boo! Just like that. It's an actual recreation of what happened there. So, now some people seem genuinely stunned by this. Oh my god. The pearl clutching. How could you possibly boo Tom Brady? He won 6 Super Bowls for the love of god. What are you doing, Patriot fans? So let us discuss, all right? The question, the Pats fans booing Tom Brady during the game in bounds or out of bounds? It is absolutely 100% verified, inbounds, inbounds. Now, I've got wardrobe malfunction, feather, and powwow. And we will tie all of these things together into a nice, neat little package here is what we're going to do. Now, A, uh, listen, Tom Brady got the kind of welcome that he deserved. Right? Pre-game adulation, heroes welcome, fawning, the toe massage, all of that, the manny, the petty, the standing ovation, the smothering of the cheers. But then when the game started, the fans pivoted. Here's actually what it sounded like.
5: Here we go. And the two-syllable chat before the game
2: has changed now. We've been, Still uh... begins with a B. <laughs> We've been with him on a road in these
4: situations. The problem is he relishes that. All right, so there was the Patriots radio feed. There's the fans pivoting to the boo. Uh, Brady, he was suffering from a wardrobe malfunction in this situation. And even after winning a Super Bowl in that uniform, you look at Tom Brady with that helmet and that jersey. It must have been because of the Patriot uniform. And you're like, wait a minute, there's a glitch. What happened here? Well, he's He's wearing the wrong laundry and uh, sure enough Brady was the enemy of the people once the game started and I I thought the fans nailed it I I, I, I wouldn't have expected constant cheering you're not in St. Louis or a town where they do that and I thought it was a good job rabid loyal invested diehard fandom not blind sheep now there's a lot of Fanboys who were going to drool all over Tom Brady. But on this night when the game started, there's generations of Patriot fans directly related to Tom Brady. When I started doing this job, and we've been syndicated in Boston on different stations over the years, but I remember when I first started here, the Patriots were, this was before the the Tom Brady era, and most of the guys in Boston who were, were calling the show wanted to talk about the Giants or the Jets. They were not Patriot fans. Because why would you be? The Patriots were a joke. And now there's generation after generation that have, are, are loyal to the Patriots as a direct result of the last 20 years, as you might imagine. Now, part B of this, as for the game itself, as for the outcome of the game, Tom Brady, let's call it like it is here. He was not particularly good. I know that goes against the narrative, and it's you know, every, everyone already had their stories all written up. Tom Brady you know, leads the Tampa Bay Bucks into Foxborough and walks out with a win. Uh, But the head-to-head matchup, the game within the game, there is a feather in the cap of Bill Belichick. From a strategical standpoint, Bill Belichick was better than Tom Brady. It was the Belichick X's and O's against Tom Brady's moxie under center. And in that side-by-side comparison, Bill Belichick schooling the Brady bunch. The Patriots didn't win the game, and so this will all be forgotten and people will move on to something else because their kicker missed a game winner from 56 yards where kickers are making kicks like that on a regular basis. But Tom Brady, by his standard, was cringeworthy at times in this game. The Belichick defensive strategy suffocating the Buccaneer offense, and Brady was outplayed by Mac Jones, a rookie. Right? Head-to-head, you look at that matchup, Tom Brady was a miserable quarterback. Completed barely 50% of his passes, averaged less than 6.5 yards per attempt, and didn't have any touchdowns, and just a pedestrian kind of a day, below average, all the way across the board for Tom Brady. And Bill Belichick coming up with the game plan. You figure if anybody knows how to slow Tom Brady down, it's Bill Belichick. And it was so pathetic that Chris Collinsworth and Al Michaels on the Peacock broadcast there were... Claiming the the weather was the reason that the performance was lacking, it seemed to want to blame the weather. Like Tom Brady's never played in bad weather before, in his career and played well. Uh, Mac Jones, though, against that Buccaneers secondary, so ravaged they're getting guys who are facing criminal charges to play in that secondary. Shout out Richard Sherman, and Mac Jones completed seventy seven percent of his passes. Now he was not. Amazing, but he was closer to average than Tom Brady. Mac Jones averaged 6.9 yards per attempt. And if you do the the bad play statistic, we always look at bad plays. The quarterback that has fewer bad plays typically has the better day. Tom Brady had 22 negative plays. Mac Jones only had 14. That's a plus 8 for the Patriots. Shoulda, coulda, woulda won the game. But their kicker doinks the but would have been the game-winning kick if had he made it, and the, the Patriot defense would have held. But the negative plays: interceptions, incompletions, sacks, and fumbles. Brady had 22 of them. Mac Jones only 14. All right, last word here. So Tom Brady and Bill Belichick: What were they going to do after the game? A lot of anticipation. You could bet on this. Would there be a firm handshake? Would there be a hug? Uh, Would they talk it out? What was going to happen there? So we have the answer. Now, Belichick and Brady, it was a quick hug at midfield after the game. Now, Belichick, very brief. He also gave a pat on the shoulder, right on the shoulder pad there. It lasted less than a second. So in the blink of an eye, it was over. And then away from the cameras, so we are told here, they had a much longer powwow we are informed that Bill Belichick crossed enemy lines and was in the Buccaneer locker room for at least 20 minutes, if not longer, and privately meeting with Tom Brady away from the media, banned from locker rooms this year except for state-sponsored media. Uh, And so they were hanging out there, allegedly. And as a result, Tom Brady was late for his post-game news conference we assume they were not going over recipes. Uh, what, what are you making? What, what kind of uh, candied apples are you making for Halloween? What do you, what, what's your Thanksgiving recipe? No, I don't think they were doing that. So, so now we can expect endless chatter and speculation. What were they talking about? Huh? Seth Wickersham already is contacting his publishers like, hey, forget it. it's better to be feared. I got another book. Talk it out, Tommy. We can call it that. plotting Brady's return to Foxborough, Belichick, did he apologize? Did they let bygones be bygones? Inquiring minds would like to know. Get to the bottom of it. All right, anyway, let's get to the bottom of it right now. Let's hear from the key participants in this. We'll start with Bill Belichick. You'll hear the question and the answer on going head-to-head with his old quarterback, Tom Brady.
2: You coached Tom Brady in practice for 20 years, but this is the first time you went ahead against him in a game. What was the experience like going—
5: Look, we went against Tom Brady every day, every day in practice defensively. So it's not like we've never seen Tom Brady before.
2: (laughs) Was the experience of coaching against him in a game any different?
5: They're a good football team. He's a great quarterback. I mean, I think that's all goes without saying.
2: Yeah, take that. See, every day in practice. You
4: and your dumb questions every day. uh, (laughs) They go against Tom Brady in practice. All right, uh, here is Bill Belichick who is asked about his quarterback, Mac Jones, and I believe by Belichick standards, he will say nice things about Mac Jones, but let's find out. Here we go. Let's go to the audio tape.
2: Just your thoughts on Mac Jones today, showing a lot of poise uh, as a rookie back there. What are your thoughts on his performance today?
5: We'll go look at the film. You know, I thought, uh, again, I thought our team played competitively, and Mac's certainly part of that. Um, You know, we can all all play better and all learn from, you know, some of the things we could have done better, but Mac fought hard and made a lot of plays for us.
4: Yeah. By Belichick standards, uh, that is a shoulder massage. That is a shoulder massage. All right, now how about the winning side, the Buccaneer locker room, and uh, here is Tom Brady uh, talking about possibility of, of coming back again.
5: It's been a great stadium for me for a long time. So I don't know what the future holds. You know, obviously, there could be an opportunity to come back here. So we'll see. I, I feel like I'll always be a part of this community, and I'll be I'll be up here quite a bit when it's all said and done. When I retire, I'm sure there'll be, you know, a lot of time.
4: Yeah, that and that is the proper time to kiss Tom Brady's tuchus when he comes back and he gets one of those ugly red jackets, and then they can celebrate Tom and have Tom Brady Day, give away with bobbleheads and fat heads and this head and that head. All right, here's more from uh, Tom Brady. This is, again, supposedly after he met with Belichick in the locker room, according to those that were standing outside the Buccaneer locker room. Belichick went in to enemy territory. But here is Tom Brady commenting about how he and Bill Belichick got along.
5: We've had a personal relationship, you know, for 20 plus years. So he drafted me here, and had a lot of personal conversations that should remain that way, and they are very private. And I would say so much is made of our relationship, and you know, as I said earlier this week, you know, from a player standpoint, you just expect the coach to give you everything he's got. And as a, I'm sure as a player, that's what he was hoping for me. But nothing's really accurate that I ever see. You know, it definitely doesn't come from my personal feelings or beliefs. And I have a lot of respect for him as a coach, and obviously a lot of respect for this organization. and You know, all the different people here that try to make it successful.
4: All right, so what I took away from that soundbite from Tom Brady is him trashing Alex Guerrero and his father because a lot of those stories about Tom Brady and Bill Belichick came from the inner circle of Tom Brady, right? His old man, his pops, trashing Belichick and the Patriots. Uh, Alex Guerrero saying that Belichick treated Brady like a child still, like he was a rookie as a veteran. So by Tom Brady saying that the, the things that he sees, uh, you know, he, he doesn't see a lot of truth in it, he's actually slamming the people that are closest to him, the people most invested in Tom Brady, the people that are right around him. Alex Guerrero has been writing his coattails for how many years? And that, that is a, a shot at Tom Brady. Now, does he realize he's taking a shot at those guys or does he think he's just taking a shot at Seth Wickersham for the book? Uh, which is it? inquiring minds would like to know be sure to catch live editions of the ben Mallor show weekdays at 2 a.m eastern 11 p.m pacific on fox sports radio and the iheart radio app
6: the big take from bloomberg news brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best informed business reporters around the world western nations like the u.s and europe
1: mexico will likely have its first female president
6: and then you have china
0: And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Store on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your
4: podcasts. No longer a bowl of cherries. Welcome in the beginning. ...of another hour of the Ben Mather Show. We are together in the air everywhere as we are hysterical with joy coast-to-coast, border-to-border, and beyond on the vast and mighty powerful microphones of FSR emanating live from behind the wheel driving in the fast lane the Fox Sports Radio Studios' In the North Woods, And so our lead this hour comes from the Mile High City. After three cupcakes in a row, the Broncos played their first legitimate opponent, the Ravens, paying a visit to Denver. And Not sure if you had a chance to watch this game or not. Maybe you missed it. So I, I was mildly confident that the Broncos would be able to show up to this game and compete, uh, that they wouldn't get blown out of the water. Uh, That was incorrect uh, as the Ravens' Lamar Jackson stealing the spotlight away. He threw for 316 yards at a 49-yard pass to Hollywood Brown who dove to catch it. And the Ravens, behind a strong defensive effort with a little help from the Broncos, Denver no longer unbeaten 23-7. The Smackdown. For Baltimore, the Ravens win their third straight after losing the lid lifter on the NFL season against the Raiders in Lost Wages, Nevada. Now, the better story here in the losing locker room as Denver gets absolutely smacked around, blown to smithereens uh, in this game. So let us discuss the question with all of the anticipation about this particular game. How worried should coach Vic Fangio be with the Broncos' performance? So, on the patented Mather scale of panic for the Denver Broncos, 1 to 10, with 10 being nuclear fallout, I'm at a 7.5 for Denver. 7.5 on the Mather scale of panic. So, my observations you've got acid test, sleepy hollow and Gestapo. And we'll lock all of these things together, and those will be the bedrock of this Maller monologue. Now, number one. Number one. So Vaughn Miller set this game up for us. We didn't have to set this game up. It was Vaughn Miller who said at the end of last week, the star defensive player for the Broncos, that in the preamble to this game, it was like a playoff game early in the season. Miller said it was time to essentially put up or shut up for Denver to show that they were not a fraud, that they, were, they could compete against a worthy opponent, and the Broncos had the opportunity to show that they were a legitimate team, that this is not some kind of smoke-and-mirrors operation. In theory, this game was the old acid test. and Denver had the opportunity to validate the 3-0 start, and they went out there and played like total frauds. Instead of solid gold, the Broncos were fool's gold. Uh, Denver taking a ride on the Vomit Comet. Von Miller challenged his team, and his team responded by getting into the fetal position and sucking their thumb collectively. That's the Broncos. Now, secondly, when you talk about Denver, you got to focus in on that quarterback position. It, it's back as a problem. On this day, it was. Teddy Bridgewater and Drew Locke both get a share to uh, share the, the, the shame, the shame bell. They get to walk the walk of shame uh, in this game. Denver's offense, who had been flexing against the Jags, Giants, and Jets, the hostess schedule there, putting up gaudy statistical lines, uh, throwing the deep ball, doing whatever they wanted for the most part, but against a an opponent here that was legitimate, the Ravens, The Broncos came out, and they were thunderstruck. They were. Uh, Baltimore, who has not been a dominating defensive team. See, that's the issue here. It'd be one thing if these were your daddy's Ravens, but they're not. The Ravens have been a poor defensive team this season. They were 24th in the NFL in total defense after the first three weeks of the season. They've been allowing 393-plus yards per game, the Ravens. The Broncos playing both quarterbacks because of injury, Uh, they could only muster 254 yards of offense. That's it. How about third down? Big tell. How do you do on third down? 14 third down operations for Denver uh, opportunities. They were three of 14, 21%. Teddy Bridgewater knocked out of this game with a concussion at halftime and even before the injury, though. Bridgewater was underwhelming. And he, he he was not good from start to when he came out of the game. He averaged four yards, 4.1 yards per pass attempt. Did not pack a punch when he was out there. Only 7 of 16. That's less than 45% completion percentage. And it was just bad all the way around. So then... The Marching and Chowder Society of Drew Locke, they were like, well, Drew Locke should have been playing. The Broncos would have been 3-0 and if Drew Locke had been playing. They're holding this guy back. He's a young stud. Oh, yeah, he sucked too. He played in the second half side by side. Now, he made Teddy Bridgewater seem like John Elway. Well, they, they, they were both terrible uh, for Cocta performances. And Drew Locke had the opportunity. And he was a man. He was a man made out of straw. Uh, Drew Locke was in this game. He finished. His stat line, 113 yards, he uh, averaged 5.4 yards, was sacked three times, uh, 5.4 yards per pass attempt, and uh, just bad, bad all the way around. And so going forward, considering the buildup by Vaughn Miller and what happened, this is an alarming turn of events for Denver. It's popping the balloon, uh, putting a pin into the Bronco balloon And watching all the air come out of it, because the Broncos are back to square one. And you say, well, they play bad teams. They're okay. But what are you going to do against better teams? And we saw what they did, their first opportunity. They took it in the shorts. And playing better teams, they are the legend of Sleepy Hollow. They are the headless horsemen. Uh, And uh, we like uh, Teddy Bridgewater as a gambler. uh, Bridgewater's been very good to us over the years. He's the top quarterback over the last 20 years against the spread. Against teams that are good, he has a checkered history. Uh, He just does. That's the reality here. Now, the good news for Denver is they get back to their hostess schedule next week. They play the Pittsburgh Steelers. But if Bridgewater plays then that's fine, and it certainly sounds like Vic Fangio is trying to get Bridgewater back in there as soon as possible. Uh, moments after the game, he was saying how good Bridgewater was doing with the concussion. Yeah, I'm sure that's, that's the, the case. Anyway, Drew Locke, uh, if he plays, I would not bet on the Denver Broncos because Locke is good for at least two turnovers against Pittsburgh, short field, and that would certainly provide an opportunity for the Steelers to win that game. They're going to need a lot of help. The Steelers with that offense to win anyone uh, to beat anyone uh, down down the rest of the way. All right, on the other side, final point here: controversy in the Baltimore locker room. They win the game, but we must broach this subject because with three seconds left, the Ravens decided, after getting the ball back, not to take a knee to run out the clock. Instead, they wanted to chase history. They wanted to tie a 44-year-old NFL record that not many people even knew existed, and that's a rushing record. So leading the game comfortably, 23-7, John Harbaugh came out there and said, you know what, I'm going to go for it. And he put Lamar Jackson out there to run, and Lamar got five yards, and that gave Baltimore a record-tying 43rd straight game with 100 yards rushing. And John Harbaugh was very transparent after the game. He said that that was his call and this is something that the team wanted, he wanted it. And it was it was a tough record to accomplish and and this is something that the Ravens felt was important. And and he's getting killed for that. Now the Elias Sports Bureau could not confirm. They they went back and looked cuz they got nothing else to do. That's their job. They went back to look, they could not confirm the last time over the last 25 years that a team in a similar situation gain yards on a play that began the final five seconds, leading by at least 10 points. So over the last 25 years, this is unprecedented. The sportsmanship Gestapo are out uh, very upset with uh, John Harbaugh. How dare him? Uh, Why are they upset? Because he has violated one of the sacred unwritten rules of the NFL. And he's being ripped up and down. Bush League Ravens. Our response? I can't say what I want to say. Listen, this is ridiculous, all right? Uh, I have no problem. It's horse crap is what it is. I was going to say a different word. But anyway, uh, I have no problem with it. Uh, The unwritten rules, I hate them in baseball. I hate them in basketball. I certainly hate them in football. And John Harbaugh does things his way. He tries to win preseason games. Uh, He wants records that many of us didn't even know existed. Uh, this is something that's important to him and to the Ravens. Uh, there's obviously an asterisk next to it, right? Kind of like that bogus sack record uh, that Michael Strahan has when uh, Brett Favre took a dive, right? Famous play in NFL history. This is akin to that, but it's a record. It's, it's one of those things that those of us that actually saw it will know that it's bullcrap. But it's what they want, right? It's, it's, it's like the, the Strahan sack record against Brett Favre was, was not legitimate. This is also not legitimate. But a lot of people who weren't around to watch the hand sack uh, record against Brett Favre don't realize that. And, and over the course of time, those that do pay attention to this kind of stuff, they're not going to remember. They're just going to see that the Ravens are going to have the record, and they'll come out next week and run for a, a bunch of yards, and they'll, they'll have the record all to themselves. Uh, Now, of course, the juxtaposition on this, if Lamar Jackson had twisted an ankle or popped an Achilles or torn ligaments in his knee, then we would have never heard the end of it and John Harbaugh would have been public enemy number one uh, and uh, all of that. All right, it is the Ben Maller Show. Let's circle back to the Broncos because that's where we started here. The better story in the losing locker room as the Broncos – Started the game with Teddy Bridgewater. He left. Drew Locke came in. Here's Vic Fangio commenting about his backup quarterback. Well, I think his
3: performance was, you know, just like the rest of the offense. We just weren't good enough today. After the one touchdown
4: drive. Yeah, that's that's being kind. That's being kind understated. Uh, Here is Drew Locke. So many people in Colorado that love this guy. They think he should be playing and not Teddy Bridgewater. I don't understand why. Uh, but here is Drew Locke on coming off the bench and flopping. Were you aware right away that you might be coming in?
5: No. Um, <clears throat> they just had to kind of be ready just in case. But I guess that's kind of my job every week after every play.
4: Yeah. Uh, hey, uh, Memo, you were not ready. At least if you were ready, you were not ready to play. You might have been ready for something else but not playing the game.
2: Be sure to catch live editions of the Ben Maller Show weekdays at 2 a.m. Eastern, 11 p.m. Pacific.
0: And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: It's Maller. How about that? To the third degree. This is when Big Ben gets grilled. All right, let's do it. Here we go.
1: It is being
6: reported that the Mets plan on contacting Theo Epstein, Billy
4: Bean, and David Stearns for their baseball president job. Ben, if you were Steve Cohen, who would you choose? Well, this is obvious. Theo Epstein is the Maserati of executives. He's the Hall of Famer in waiting, the, the number one pick. The track record. He will destroy your minor league system, but he will win a World Series for you guaranteed. The Mariners ought to hire Theo Epstein. After Theo, I would take a shot at David Stearns. He's from New York. He's done a pretty good job on a shoestring shoestring budget with the Brew Crew. And Billy Bean, eh, I'd pass. Next. Clayton Kershaw left his last regular
6: season start for the Dodgers with an injury, and he took the baseball with him as he left the mound. Now, many are taking this as a sign that he believes that his Dodgers career has come to an end, wanted to take a little keepsake or something like that. However, after the game, Kershaw was – he said he was just in shock
4: and didn't even know that he was holding on to the ball. You buying that, Ben? Well, I hope the Dodgers move on. It's time for them to move on. You can't rely on Kershaw. He's injury-prone. He's fragile. They have a bunch of blue-chip pitchers in the minor league system. Let Kershaw run off and play for the Rangers in his hometown or the Yankees and move on. All right, next! Last week you said despite their losing record, you were still going with Kansas City to win the AFC West. Yeah. Yep. Uh, ben, do you think that the AFC West is one of the best divisions of football? Well, from, from top to bottom, the AFC West is is right up there. The Chiefs are the most talented team. The Chargers and Raiders will see them on Monday night. The Broncos look like frauds in the game against the Ravens. Uh, so, you know, the AFC West, A- NFC West, uh, neck and neck, but the top two divisions in football, for sure. The NFC West better than the AFC West. But there it is, Mallard to the third degree. That is a You win failed this edition. You Thank didn't you. answer my second that question. Is a win. You didn't answer the question. I didn't answer the question. I said the Dodgers should move on from Kershaw. That wasn't the question. That- Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all
2: of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Hey, you sports figure guy or girl. Who the hell are you talking to, son? Here's some instant advice.
3: Hold that thought. No one's paid attention to me for 10 whole seconds. And if you don't
4: like it, screw you. And away we go. It's the Instant Advice Line on screen radio. This is where we get back to the world of sports. We're doing sports radio. We take, we take, we take. This is a chance to... Give some wisdom, some knowledge that you have as a consumer of sports radio to the players, the coaches, the prominent media figures who need our advice. And In this case, we need to give advice to fellow fans, the Pittsburgh Steelers. It's been a while since the Steelers have had a losing team. And while we're only through four weeks of the season, it certainly appears the Steelers are well on their way to finishing with a losing record for the first time in the Mike Tomlin era as coach. So what is your advice to Steeler fans on how to deal with supporting a loser? How to deal with supporting a loser? Call us up right now. 877-99 on Fox is the number. 877-996-6369. We'll start out with you on line one. Line one, your advice to Steeler fans. Number one. Hi, Ben. How are you? All right. Line two. I'm good. Thank you. Line two is next. Hello, line two. Line two is not paying attention. We'll go to line three. Oh, we have the random line. Random line. You're on the air. Oh, hi, man. Ben. Oh, it's Cowboy John Brad. Cowboy John Brad. Your advice to the Steelers? Uh, Steelers fans. Get a bunch of bucks. All box, right. Box. Thank you for that, Cowboy. I'm glad you hey, got it. where in. are the
3: white women at?
4: Not there, apparently. Let's go to line three. Hello, line three. You are on the air, line three. Be happy you didn't lose to Alligator Arms Murray. Yeah, absolutely. Line four. Hello, line four. You should talk to Doug Fister. Okay, yes. Thank you for that. <laughs> line six is next. It's the instant advice line to the Steeler fans. Hello, line six. Line six is not paying attention. Did I mention there's no call screener, that you're live on the air when you hear my voice? Line one, you're next. Hello, line one. Advice to Steeler fans Number how one. to deal with losing. Hello, line one.
5: Hi, Big Ben. I would say put away those terrible towels and invest in some uh, paper
4: bags. Paper bags. There you go. You don't need the towels. You need the paper bags. Thank you. Line three. Hello, line three. You're lagging behind line three. Advice to Steeler fans. Singles can be pencil neck. What was that? I didn't hear the beginning. Of that. I heard pencil neck. Uh, let's go to line four. We'll move on as we ferry around the phones here. Hello, line five. Hello.
6: Yeah, first time caller, long time listener.
4: Thank you. I appreciate that. Line, si- line six. Hello, lines. Oh, we have a random line. Random, random line, you're on the air. Hello. Hello. Oh, Hello. Random line, not there. Masquerading as a caller. Oh, man, this is. Going as well as I expected. Line, let's go back to line one. Line one, you're on the air. Line Number one. Happy birthday, Roberto. Happy birthday, Roberto. Yeah, thank you. All right, we got thank that guy you. in. Line two, where's my baseball? Hello, line two. Bob White for the Major League Baseball. I'm rocking around of oh, the ca- Boy, Cowboy's hijacking. He's bogarting the segment. We'll do one more let's and only football, one more. If it's, if it's good, I'll take credit. If not, I'll blame the Koopa Loopas. We bob and weave Coop. <laughs> Line one. Line one, the final call on the instant of line. Go ahead, line one. I know it's you, Roberto. Ah, I know it's you, Roberto. We got it in. Yeah, he's back. Happy birthday, Roberto. Thank you. I'm Diosa.
1: And I'm Mala. We're the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella,
0: which is a fancy way of saying a,
3: a podcast. podcast. so listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.
6: The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best informed business reporters around the world.
1: We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. Every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder.